Listen up, all you New York fans. Veteran New York sports talk host John Dostromsky gives his unique take on all the big stories in the Big Apple and beyond, including guest conversations, gambling picks, and reactions from you, the listener. Check out New York, New York with John Dostromsky on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Kevin O'Connor. If you didn't know, COVID-19 vaccines are starting to become available to the general public, and getting vaccinated is the first step to getting back to all the things we miss basketball games i know i can't wait to go to concerts hang out with your friends and go to restaurants maybe go to a couple different bars those nights can be back with a vaccine it's okay if you have questions like should i get it is it safe should i wait well you can find out the facts at getvaccineanswers.org so you can make an informed decision i got my vaccine recently and i'm very happy i did i look forward to having some good times with friends and my mom so you should get yours too Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Can I rant for a sec? I'm used to that, so go ahead. Pay apps are way too public. (laughs) What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people could see my entire history, who I'm paying, like their full names. It's super weird. Hmm. Yeah, that is weird. Okay, then how are you paying people? What are you doing? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin Verno! What's going on? We are to the last week of the regular season, Mr. O'Connor, and yes, a sir. lot of things left to be decided, but at least some were decided last evening. Um the Warriors are going to be in a play-in scenario no matter what. The Memphis Grizzlies are going to be in a play-in scenario no matter what. And by virtue of rocking the Bucks in what was a pretty stunning Ooh. outcome last oh night, San Antonio, who had really faltered down the stretch here, uh, got a big win. And now their magic number is one. So it's all but decided. I mean... Certainly, it appears as if we know who the 10 teams are going to be in the Western Conference, especially when the closest to San Antonio is a team without Zion Williamson, without Brandon Ingram. Last night, they're without Steven Adams. And so they don't have their guys for these remaining games anyway. um, And so, you know, we we had the drama of who's going to make the play and who not. And at this point, really... Now it just becomes about seeding, which is intensely important because uh, we also, we know everybody in the East now too. Um, 
you know, Washington's locked Still that up. So we know te- the tension. Technically a chance, you know, yeah, but, but, you know, it, it's so little minuscule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we know the 10 teams at both conferences, and now it's the seeding, which is enormous. Enormous. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these teams, there's some of these teams that are lower ranked that you know if you are one of the top ranked teams, you do not want to see, uh, especially in a first round series because they are better than the teams you would normally see in the first round. And I heard Bill and Rosillo were kind of talking about this the other day. And I want to see if you agree with this. Bill's point was Miami is that team in the Eastern conference and Dallas is that team in the Western conference. You agree with that, that those are the man I'd love to, I mean, beyond the Lakers, we we accept the Lakers are that team. You don't want it. That's ridiculous to have to play them as a seven seed if they are fully well, healthy. I mean, D- Dallas is the five right now, though. So, I mean, yeah. it, it, isn't it really the Golden State Warriors guess so. in the Western Conference with the way in which Stephen Curry is just dominating, the way the Warriors and Draymond Green have, they are a top five defense over the full season. They've just been ridiculous yeah. in recent weeks ever since the Wiseman injury on both ends of the floor to me. I look at the Golden State Warriors, and I'm not saying I would pick them in a series against the Suns or, or or the Jazz. I'm not saying that. Those teams are better and more well-rounded. But I'll tell you, like, the Golden State Warriors could take a game or two in that series because of the way they're playing on both ends of the floor. They're amazing right now. One of the best teams in basketball in recent weeks. Yeah, but you're catching me on the wrong day because I, I got home late and watch the rest of that jazz game. And they, oh, yeah. they, they threw just, up all over themselves. Yeah. It was a 15 point they lead did. and the jazz had no Conley. They had no Mitchell and it oh, took yeah. Steph Curry, big time heroics, knocking down a three. And I do think that, you know, they have been a team that has, you know, they, they've given away a lot of leads. Like they've gotten up big on teams. And I saw even, uh, our mutual buddy Marcus Thompson tweeted, I really thought they were going to oh. lose that game. Like they've done that so many times this year where, but instead Steph kind of saved the day last night. I mean, they've got the one huge superstar that there is not a number he could put up that we would think is insanity. And so right when you got that would not guy, be insane. Well, and how many times, do, how many times do we talk about, you go into a playoff series and for sure, is it feasible that you have the best guy in a series? And so much like you said that about Curry, Luca falls into that category. You could look up and you could say he was the best player over the course of that series, the four wins that they had, or likewise in the, in the East, Jimmy Butler, he could be that guy. You could look up and you could say, Jimmy Butler was the best player in that series over the course of the series. But those are the, those are the lower ranked teams sure. I think that people could view as making an improbable run um, as compared to their seed or whatever the case may be. Yeah, Chris. And the thing with the Warriors is, you know, to your point with Dallas being the tougher team, I, I agree there with Golden State, you're going to see a lot more box and one. You're going to see, you, you might see like the, like with the Raptors in the finals, Nick Nurse throwing that out there. Bottom, it might not be box and one, but you're going to see more pressure against Stephen Curry and in the Eastern conference, we'll talk about Boston losing Jalen Brown for the rest of the season, just a horrific end uh, to their nightmare season. 
you know, that really kills their chances of doing anything. You do look at Miami right now. They're going to be out of the plan in all likelihood. Two games up on Boston, four games up on Charlotte. Uh, there's a chance they could move up to four. They're only a game back from the Knicks. But if they do stay at five or six, um, they're the team. They're the team in the Eastern Conference that you'd want to avoid. They've been there. They've done it. And they have two arguable, you know, guys that are on that all NBA conversation with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo one or both or I could make it and both I mean it's tough this year as we'll talk about later but you know that heat team they feel like they could be primed to upset some teams and get well, a run if they do think, what they did Jeff, last think year. about how much that matters to them I mean it's the difference between drawing New York or Atlanta or drawing Milwaukee exactly <laughs> I yep. mean that's the thing mm-hmm. if they can if they get up to four or five and clearly not desirable for Philadelphia, right? Is that exactly because it's not <laughs> even just the it's it's the fact right. that Miami, it seems like on paper, they'd be better built for that second round series against the Sixers than a second round series, you know, against the Nets or the Bucks after already facing one of them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, and likewise, if you're the Bucks, you got to be sitting there going, oh, seriously, like, really? Like, I mean, (laughs) we got to play the we got to play the heat in the first round because New York and Atlanta are four and five. This is ridiculous. So if (laughs) if we if we can, if if we we got Drew Holiday, we got P.J. Tucker, we got a lot better team. But first, we got to play the team that was in the NBA finals last year. Then we got to turn around and play Brooklyn. And then we got to go play Philadelphia. Unreal. Good luck. Right. Unreal. I mean, if yeah. their trek, if you, if their trek, if that was, is that, if that's what it ended up being for them, God bless them. Miami, Brooklyn, Philly, mm-hmm. those are the three series you have to win. I mean, series uh, are not all built the same. And that would be just a brutal run, especially after they've had a really good season again. That run to the finals would be pretty remarkable. You know, like, like if they, if they were to pull that off, if it does have to be Miami and then Brooklyn and then yep. Philadelphia, if you get through that, that's special. Like, I don't know what would happen in the finals. Who knows who the opponent would be, but if the bucks were to get to the finals doing that, um, that'd be something to remember. Do you believe in golden state the most outside of the Lakers? Certainly you, you, you prefer golden state over both Memphis and San Antonio. Oh yeah. In terms of if they, I mean, and who knows that they may be able to hang on to the eight. They may not though. I mean, they've got Phoenix tonight. The warriors do. And then there is a game between uh, Memphis and golden state. Actually the last game of the season, it's possible that the last game of the season ends up becoming a game that decides who has to, who who is able to lose and still have a chance at getting in and who only has one loss that they can take or they're out of the playoffs completely um i think we we both recognize it looks now it, the lakers are probably going to be 7 and so whoever draws 8 i mean and that was look i will say this that it's a one game deal It is a one-game deal. And if you did have it as it stands right now with Golden State playing against the Lakers, could you imagine? Could you Mm -hmm. imagine if the Lakers have get picked off and then have to win a game 
in order to be the eight seed. <laughs> I mean, no, Chris, way, right? Chris, this entire next week and a half could be madness. It could be madness, and and people wonder if the NBA is going to keep the plan. You get some teams that don't like it, people who just don't want to have it publicly. LeBron doesn't want it. Mark Cuban didn't want it until they didn't have a seven seed. Right. <laughs> now you don't hear anything. The next week and a half could make it abundantly clear why the NBA installed this for the bubble and why they're experimenting with it this season and why in all likelihood they're going to keep it in the years to come. That I think in the next week and a half, we're going to understand why it's going to be here to stay and why it's awesome. And oh. also why like tournaments could be a format for midseason too. like Adam Silver originally proposed a couple of years ago. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about the play and stuff throughout the season and how fun it is. But I just really think it's going to be obvious this next week. The Jalen Brown thing, like, look, it sucks no matter. But in conjunction with this play in thing, the East is much, much, much less interesting. It just is, right? Yeah. That West, you're talking about uh you're talking about a possibility of having Stephen Curry and LeBron James both involved in this. <laughs> which I mean if you're the if you're the NBA, this could not have worked out any better. Now, <laughs> in the case, you know, something so something happens and you never know. This has not been a, a good or easy season for the Lakers. But if something happened and they got knocked out because of this play in, we would never have it again. You know that you, as well as I are do. You po- are you positive? Yes. Yes. We would never have it again. Ever. If it knocked that, out LeBron and the Lakers, we will never have it again. So, I mean, for people that like it, I like it too. But I, I have an awareness. It would, there is absolutely no way. If they end up with the seventh best record, but then they get knocked out because of a play-in and they're not involved in the playoffs because they lost two games, we would never see a play-in for the rest of time until Adam Silver dies, you know. What? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like he said, like I was saying, until his grave, he will never let a play in happen. Until <laughs> Adam Silver dies. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, there's no way. He's, he he will make sure that message is sent loud and clear. I, I, I don't know. To, I don't to know every about commissioner that. until he passes away. I'm not I'm not sure about that because what do you mean, Adam, sure Adam Silver's that? the one who wanted it. Yeah, he he wanted. He, he, he didn't think the Lakers were going to be seven, yeah, Kevin. I promise you. He's the one pushing for this every yeah. year. He wants midseason tournaments. He wants playing tournaments. He wants to change the way like the regular season entire hey, NBA calendar look, looks. This is look. It's got a chance. I'm telling you, this has got the opportunity <laughs> to be the greatest thing ever or the worst thing it, ever. No, it's yes, it not, does. It's it. I look at it like it just is what it is. Whatever happens, it incentivizes no. the teams that are able to play their guys, the teams who stay healthy. It helps. It might hurt some teams that have injuries throughout the season, but it could help teams. It could help the Lakers in a reverse scenario. If the Lakers had had guys miss more games, if LeBron and AD missed more games earlier in the season, and they were the 11 right now fighting to get back in if the season happened in reverse, where the LeBron and AD injuries happened back in December and January instead of the last two months, 
we'd be looking at it like, oh my goodness, whoa, the Lakers are fighting back into it. Mm-hmm. They play in tournaments, awesome. It's giving them a chance. It would be the opposite, Chris. So I, I don't, I don't think that the NBA they're making a big mistake, in my opinion. If LeBron and the Lakers do lose in the play-in tournament, they're making a big mistake if they look at that result and say, okay, we're never doing the play-in anymore because it could work. It could work the opposite way next season and years after that. So to me, it's just about purely about the fun for fans, having more teams that are bought in for longer, and also just like who knows what it's going to look like this next week with TV ratings. I get it. it. All I know is it has increased my enjoyment of the end of the regular season more than ever before. I agree with you completely, and I understand the the process-driven idea, but the result in this case will matter too too much. It will. I, I, I don't buy it. I what are you talking it. about? You don't buy don't it. This, buy the it. league is in a ratings crisis. They can't have LeBron James not in the playoffs. <laughs> what the I hell is wrong it. with you? What, what planet are you on? They can't have a scenario with him not in the playoffs. There's just no way. Adam Silver is going to go tackle Tony okay. Brothers or whoever uh, is officiating that all right. game. Okay, so, all right. So let's say Let's say LeBron and the Lakers just are fighting for the eight seed next season because they suffer some uh, some similar amount of injuries, games are missed, and they're just on the normal playoff bubble where they're fighting for the eight seed instead of fighting for the play-in spot. I, okay. I, I'm not. I feel like the play-in still increases their odds of getting in because. In that scenario, if you end up the nine seed, you have zero percent chance. At least now, there's ten spots, ten spots to get into the play-in. You know, to at least have an opportunity in the play-in, and then you can win some games. You will admit that your scenario of a LeBron James team fighting to get into the playoffs, even because they incurred injuries, yeah, that is, it's probably not. Uh, that's an extremely abnormal thing so that is would this. take place. So is you know this. what I'm saying? This right. too. I, I understand. But given the scenario that it has happened this year, you could have the possible worst outcome for the NBA. Oh. Um, but look, they're not going to lose anyway. They're not like they'll take 75 free throws if it means. They, they, they win those games. Um, I can tell what what the Memphis uh, market conversations already are, right? Well, no, you're, I mean, you're, you're, look, you you're looking ahead, thinking about that, them, right? Right? They're probably not going to be playing them anyway. I wouldn't imagine. Well, you never well, know. What, know. What, they what, could, if, they what could. if the Warriors win the first one and then Grizzlies beat the Spurs? You could see Lakers no. Grizzlies for the eighth it seed. Could. Or or they could flip it on the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors have not like. I mean, as much as you talked about how awesome they are, they aren't. They aren't that I, awesome. Um, I, I'm just not. I'm just not convinced that the NBA is gonna make this decision based on the results. I think they're gonna make this decision based on the process. What the question is really gonna be is like, how does the PA also feel about it? How do teams feel about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yes, like if the Lakers were to miss the playoffs, how would that impact ratings over the duration of the playoffs? And would that then inform their decision? Well, it is fascinating I'm not, because I'm not sure about that. It is the best case scenario if the team that is actually 10th wins in the East. In terms of interest, the best case scenario is that the team that is actually 10th right now, who at the beginning of their season ravaged by coronavirus. The and, Wizards. Yeah, it, that's the best case scenario is if, is if they moved on. They are certainly much more interesting than the other three, especially with, with the Brown injury. Of course, if Brown's not injured, 
then you want the Celtics there. And then I think you would want the Wizards there in terms of, again, I'm talking about interest. Um, I find Charlotte to be rather entertaining, but they've had their own set yep. of injuries and they Gordon certainly haven't gotten Hayward's kept back going. Yeah. Still out. I mean, Indiana, yeah. Miles Turner out, TJ right. Warren obviously out too. All these other teams in the East playing have had guys missing, except Washington is the healthiest they've been all season right now. Right. So it is an odd scenario where they, you want, you want Washington in. You want them to be able to uh, to get in, I would think. In ter- if we're talking about who do we want to see play Philly in the first round, maybe you want to see somebody play Philly in the first round. It's much more, I, I think anybody would sign up to see Washington go up against Philly. I mean, none of them are going to beat Philadelphia in a seven-game series, but at least that with Beal and Westbrook, is a more fun matchup than Indiana or Charlotte. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. You know, with Boston suddenly, you know, without Jalen Brown, who the player he's turned himself into this season, it's it's weird. You know, I, I was thinking about the Celtics last night because Tatum and Brown are better. The two most important players in the franchise have gotten way better. Like Jalen Brown looks awesome. He's been awesome. Like, it wasn't just a hot streak at the beginning of the season. He has sustained his shooting, his driving. Everything looks better. Tatum evolving into a superstar. We'll see how he continues improving and sustaining this. But the two most important players got better. And yet, this has been a nightmare season for the Celtics. Mm -hmm. It's just an odd year in that sense because, in some ways, you're, you're more optimistic for the future because of what Tatum and Brown are turning into. But then you look at the rest of the roster and with the way the team was produced, the lack of leadership, the, the 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 poor chemistry, the fact that this team just never seemed to really click and and, and gel together. Mm-hmm. It, it, this, this team is worse than the teams we've seen in past years. So yeah. I, with Boston, in some ways, I I exit the season for them more optimistic. Yeah. In other ways, I'm more pessimistic. But do you think they uh, changed dramatically? I would imagine so, but it's just a weird season because normally when things are disastrous, it's because guys, your best players didn't get better or sometimes they even got worse. But this year, these guys got better, but the team got way worse. Right. Uh, It's just a very, very funky year when you assess the Celtics and um, we'll see if they get into the play in or they will get into the play and we'll see if they get into the playoffs. Um, But Man, like th- this is a, a very odd year for the Celtics, and I look forward to seeing what they do, you know, over the offseason. I know we have a lot of time before then, but just a thought on my mind. Like, it, how have you seen a team have a year like this, Chris? I mean, it's it, it's happened. I mean, it's an underachieving team. I do think that the, I think that the lack of veteran leadership showed up very badly. That's my opinion from the outside looking in. I mean, look, we had our own. We had our own dalliances with the Boston media a couple of months ago when I was told about what was going on with this team. And, you know, nobody wants to believe it. Nobody wants to. It doesn't matter to me. But I mean, what's true is true. And 
when when Marcus Smart was on the trading block and he, you know, it's it's awkward rather than him being, you know, heart and soul guy and, you know, the guy that he's been he's the elder statesman am- amongst that team. Right. And so when he's kind of been in flux and the attitude changes a little bit and you got the Tristan Thompson thing where they added him and that has not worked out. Um, and I think we're wanting him to be like, you know, the I've won a ring leader type guy. And and Kemba Walker, I mean, look, I'm a Kemba Walker fan. I've always been a Kemba Walker fan. Kemba Walker's never won dick. So what is he going to, you know, right? Like these guys, unfortunately, these guys are the younger guys are more accomplished, right? Like you're typically now there's a, there's a fine line. You don't want the, 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 the Kyrie Irvings. I've got a ring and you don't <laughs> follow me. You know, that never comes off all that well, right? Like listen to, listen to what I'm telling you, or you guys don't know what it takes to win. Like there is a, there is a fine line between guys that have been in a lot of big games and guys that have won something, but you typically want veterans with the, with the good leadership personalities that have won something. And they didn't really have that this year, you know? And I do think it's, you know, those guys are still young. They are both Brown and Tatum. They're both young and they've always kind of been, you know, they're, they're, there ends up being a movement to the point where it becomes somebody else's team, right? And the time came for Tatum's not that guy, not the walk into the, the locker the, the room, follow guy. me. Yeah, yeah. Or, he's only, and he's only twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. He's a kid. Right. He's a kid still by NBA standards, right? And who knows? Sometimes guys are exceptionally talented. And they're never that guy. You know what I mean? Like, they're never For that, sure. that, that kind of guy that uh, Paul George doesn't get in a huddle and says, this shit ain't happening tonight, yeah. guys. <laughs> like, that's not his personality, right? It doesn't mean he's not exceptionally talented and, 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 and a great player. But that's just not how he's wired. And I don't know. Uh, the, Brown obviously has been kind of the sidekick for Tatum at that point. So it would be kind of odd for him to be that guy. And so it doesn't always have to be, you know, your best guy being that guy, but you do need somebody. You know what I mean? You need somebody. And I do think that they probably, you know, they, they started questioning things. And, and, and let me say this. I want to make an excuse for them. Those guys didn't play together this year. What, what would normally be, if you were to just say, they're four guys, Smart, Kemba, uh, uh, Jalen, and Tatum, those four. They, the, the amount of minutes they played is ridiculous. It didn't happen this year. I saw Sean Grandy. You can pull this up, Kev. He posted it last night. What would be like their, you know, their four guys, right? And how many minutes that they played on the court together this year? It was shocking. And so that has to be taken into consideration too. And you could say that's an excuse or that's a reason, right? But and, and people can decide. But they they did not play the amount of minutes that other uh other teams that you would expect have, you know, four guys that you know are gonna play generally 25 minutes a game. Uh, they didn't play the minutes that other teams did. 
Sean Grandy tweeted that the that core four he called a Tatum Brown Walker Smart played a total of 292 minutes this season together, and that would rank 137th in the NBA of four man lineups. That's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yep. 234. That's less than five games. In a 72, huh? 292 minutes. Oh, 292. Okay, so fine. Uh, It's still less than six games. Yeah, not many. You know what I mean? You're less than six games at a 72-game season, and you're less than six games worth of minutes? It's it's outrageous. You know what I mean? There's a lot of units. You'll play thousands. And I don't know, man. Like, those guys... When you were expecting, these are going to be four of the guys that we roll out there pretty regularly together. The fact that they didn't even play together throughout the year, that has a part of it, too, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, this is a team that's going to have to make some tweaks. You know, you sign Tristan Thompson, who I remember I was thinking about this last night, too, a couple of years ago during the Celtics Cavs Eastern Conference final series. And Tristan Thompson just rebounded absolutely everything. It was dominant on the defensive end of the floor. He said at the beginning of the season that he wanted to be the Marcus Smart of bigs for the Celtics. He hasn't been that. Mm. And it's partially because he's missed some time, too. You know, but it's like he, Kemba Walker has not been Kemba Walker. You're not getting some of the contributions that you needed from some of the guys uh, that you needed it from to really round out this roster on the court, even putting aside the chemistry and leadership aspect. But like on an individual basis, it just hasn't all yeah. come together, and 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 there's there's just missing pieces. Sometimes it's just not the right mix. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that feels like this year's team in the sense that that's why I, I I I overall look at them and say the most important thing is the development of your 24 year old Jalen Brown, your 22 year old Jason Tatum, and those guys both got way better. Right. You know, yeah. so most important thing is a positive. But everything else, that doesn't mean it's not important. It's incredibly important. So you got to get everything else right because Tatum and Brown are getting themselves right. Well, let's talk about teams that are awesome, and that is the Washington Wizards. Uh, They are now (laughs) at 10. Uh, They lose a game last night to the Atlanta Hawks by one. Uh, But Russell Westbrook has broken the record, Oscar Robertson's record for triple doubles, um, which is, you know, look, let me just say a little piece on this. regarding. Uh, triple doubles and you know whether people want to poke holes in the you know who cares about triple doubles and it's just a number whatever Um, it does a it, it is a number that signifies um how uh, the, the stats and how r- ridiculous it is to be able to put up uh double digits in three different categories and he is now averaged a triple-double, I believe four out of the last five seasons. His team has an extreme winning percentage when he does that. And I am one that sits back and I sit there and when I see that the guy averaged a triple-double I and, and I see all these triple-doubles and while others will say like, ah, who cares, it's just a triple-double, I have a different point of view on this. Because, Kevin, I have covered 20 years of basketball games in Memphis. In both the Pyramid and then they moved to the FedEx Forum. And they relocated to Memphis in 2001, did the Grizzlies. You know how many I've seen? Total? Three. 
23. <laughs> 23 triple doubles in 20 years. <laughs> in 20 years, I have witnessed 23 triple doubles. The guy averages a damn triple double. <laughs> like that is <laughs> so there have been 23. Um there have been 12 by Grizzlies players and 11 by opponents. And there's never been a playoff uh, triple-double. Thanks to my buddy Ross Wooden for sending that along to me. And all 23 have been actually at FedEx Forum. But in 20 seasons, I've only witnessed 23. And this guy has averaged it four out of the last five years. And... I, you know, I, I talk about this a lot. You know my feelings on Westbrook. Obviously, this is part of why we're the mismatch. But I, I am forever impressed by people's ability to, or non-ability rather, to be able to praise Russell Westbrook without couching it with something negative. Like, he is unlike almost any other player that I can remember where it's, Praise, this is unbelievable, this was whatever, but, or, and, or there's some thing that has to be said, (laughs) however, there's something, there is a need to not just say something positive and it be the end of statement, (laughs) and rather say something positive, but then remind everybody that, I don't like the guy or I'm not a fan of his or he's inefficient or he's not the kind of guy I'd want on my championship team or it's unbelievable. There's no other player like that. Truly. There's no player I can ever remember where people feel the need to crap on him after praising him. Like it's impossible (laughs) to say something nice and not, in fact, if you tried to do it right now, you would burst into flames. Maybe I will. It would drive you. No. Maybe I no will. Way. No way. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what, Chris. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> if you turn off the analysis. You almost said despite. You almost said it. You almost said despite. I saw your lips. You almost, Because you have started every Russell Westbrook sentence for the last 20 years of your life with despite. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is just pure fun. And, and I think the conversation Jay Kyle Mann and I had on Ringer NBA University with friend of the ringer, Tyler Parker, big OKC fan who yeah. loves, 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 loves Westbrook kind of just sums it up in the sense that sometimes like it's not about just the analysis. Sometimes it's not just about the, the like looking at effective field goal percentage and shot selection. This guy is just pure fun, pure joy. And that's why I, I say it as a compliment. I call him the NBA's Brett Favre. <laughs> Brett Favre has authored some of the most exciting comebacks in NFL history. Some of the most mind-blowing moments has played through injuries, has, has been the reason why so many Packers fans and Vikings fans, not Jets fans, have had great memories over the years. And I say Vikings for one year. Um, I know it's a sore subject for Packers fans, but with Westbrook, like for years with OKC was part of those moments for years. He was, and now he is with Washington. He had some good moments with Houston as well. Be that as it may. Ah! <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm yep. kidding. Um, but you know, the, the product, <laughs> however, yep. I call, no, I call, no, I, no, I, no, and my standing, 
Mine comes from, uh, well, two things. I covered the Final Four when Derrick Rose in Memphis, of all things, uh, went and they bombed out UCLA in the Final Four. The Kevin Love, Collison, Kevin Westbrook Love. team, that that team. And those Memphis players at that time in college, to a man, I'll never forget this, said, there was only, there was one dude on that team when GMs in the NBA called them, and because of course they called and said, you know, what do you think, right? Because they just destroyed them in the NCAA tournament, the Final Four. And when they were asked for their opinion at like the combine and interviews, whatever, to a man, every single one of them, because that was a rough Memphis team, and they said, take Westbrook, he's the one, he's the only one we couldn't intimidate. Every one of those other guys, they were. They didn't want this. They didn't want that smoke. That guy, he was at our neck. Like the whole, he was not, he was there for it. And so I started with that. Then you moved to Summer League. And at Summer League, there's an old story about the Miami Heat. They drafted Michael Beasley, number two overall. And they get to Summer League and they go to the gym. They got a workout at eight o'clock at Summer League. And Beasley's, not there. And they're like, where is he? Right. And so they have to go send a coach. They have to go knock on the door and they have to try to drag him out and whatever. And they go to the gym, they unlock the gym and Westbrook is there pouring with sweat. And he's been there for two hours and the heat all looked at each other and go, we effed up. <laughs> like we, yeah. we, we, we screwed this up. Right. Yeah. Like the guy that the guy that got drafted fourth is pouring and he's been here for two hours and we just had to go drag this guy out worried that we might not find him. Um, and, and then I covered those playoff series, you know, with Oklahoma city back in the day when they were awesome. I'm talking about the Harden team. And then the team with just Westbrook and Durant. And as an opposing fan, I feared him. I feared him. I did. That guy, that guy was, there was not a time where I thought that if there's one thing I could count on, that guy is, he'd rather die on the court than lose. He yeah. cares yeah. so desperately. Sometimes it leads to bad stuff. I'm aware. Mm -hmm. It leads to ill-advised shots. And, and that's whatever. the Brett Favre comparison. Yeah, that but, I uh, but yeah. Uh, that will and that drive and that it doesn't matter if a camera is even at the game. I'm trying to rip your head off. I I just I respect that so much. Yeah. And that's why I mean like I can't speak for anybody else when it comes to the criticism of him, but when I, I can only speak to myself, I've criticized him on this pod, I've written multiple columns criticizing him over the years at the ringer.com. My when I criticize Russell Westbrook, I look at it like here's this great player who has all these qualities that you're talking about, Chris, like the work mm -hmm. ethic. There's so much that's admirable about him as a person, you know, with what he puts into his game and his craft, right? The criticism is like, with just some little tweaks, you can be even more. Mm. You can be even more than you already are. Like, as special as you are, there's always ways to improve. And that that's that's all it comes from. And maybe, you know, maybe he's worked on his jumper and it has only resulted in it being hurt with the dropping free throw percentage. Maybe in his eyes, he can't shut off the shot selection aspect because that just changes the way he thinks and approaches the game from his aggressive point of view. I can't get inside his brain. Um, but there are some downsides to his style that, like, if it, ultimately, it doesn't matter. He still is a Hall of Famer. 
He still is one of the best point guards of this era. It's just some little things in his game that you wish could be a little bit better um, to raise his level to an even greater one. Just for everybody to understand what has taken place with him post-All-Star break. Post-All-Star break in the NBA, assists, Russell Westbrook, 456. Second place, Chris Paul, 295. He has over 160 more assists than the second player since the All-Star break. Most post-All-Star break rebounds. Russell Westbrook, 455. Mm. Second, Jonas Valanciunas, 411. He has more rebounds than every player in the NBA by 40. Most triple doubles, Westbrook's had 26 post-All-Star break. Jokic has had six. And so, like, these numbers are, they're not, like, this is not in conjunction with, oh, the game's got more possessions now, the way the game's played now, all this bull crap. That, that is versus his peers. He has 160 more assists than anyone, 40 more rebounds than anyone, and 20 more triple doubles than anyone. They're all playing in the same environment. And that's what he is doing. And I do think he is unlike any other player in that he, we're going to, in 20 years, people will look at him in a much different way than they look at him currently. That's what I'd say. He will be looked at. People will look at some of the numbers and think that that's still insane. You know, it, it is going to be really fascinating to see how Westbrook is perceived because right now, you know, you have some people, not many, but some who look at Allen Iverson and say, oh, he was inefficient. Therefore, That's he right. was overrated. In 20 years, will, will there be more people <laughs> who look at Westbrook like that? Or will people look at the raw numbers, the total, you know, rebounds, assists, points, the, the sheer level of production yep. and look at it that the opposite way and say, how are people saying this about this guy? We haven't had anybody like that since. Yep. It's possible. Yep. Um, Race to the bottom. One more thing on the standings before we get to uh, your awards column. Got everybody uh, heated. There is a race to the bottom. Uh, we have Houston. Good, good race. They, they've won the tank crown. They won it. They got it. They, 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 they've got that sewed up. Good uh, for so them, they, you know. They did, the a, they did a good job. Four games up on the Pistons. It's great stuff. As of today, <laughs> Pistons have 20 wins. And then there are four different teams with 21 wins. Wow. And so this is going to be an extremely fascinating last three to four games for everybody in the league because Cleveland has really turned up. They're 0-10 in their last 10 oh, games. They, they've been sensational, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been remarkable to watch the Cavaliers as of their late. Commitment. They, they, there's not a better team in the tank race right now. I mean, <laughs> Their commitment yeah. to this has been wonderful, amazing. You know, and look, I will say, my buddy JB Bickerstaff, he's over, he's overseen these before, so you want to, you right? Like he knows what to do. He knows how to get the job done. <laughs> if you want to, if, if you want to lose, he knows. Um, at Orlando, Cleveland, 
Minnesota and Oklahoma City. Those are the ones right now with uh, 21 wins. And so uh, Minnesota has not shown a commitment to losing Mm-mm. in the manner that the others they're, they're have. And Very and, poor job. Yeah, neither has Orlando, for that matter. No, they haven't. You know, they haven't shown a true commitment to losing. If you're a Wolves fan, Chris, you got to be feeling good about the development. It, Anthony Edwards getting better. Cat, D'Lo, this team is looking great heading into the next season. Um, and you just hope the basketball gods will reward you mm. for performing in this way to close the year instead of tanking. Because um, if you get that draft pick, keep your draft pick on top of everything that's happening. Yep. They could be pretty freaking good really fast. Yeah. Well, and I thought uh, the most insane stat that I heard, I heard Rosillo mention this. Uh, he was talking about Oklahoma city and their commitment to tanking. And I, this was shocking to me. And it does make you think about like, okay, what if they end up with, cause Oklahoma city has like a chance to end up with like, theoretically, like the number one pick and the number five pick in this draft. And we know they've got like 34 draft picks in the next (laughs) seven drafts or whatever the hell it is. But he said something and I went and I was like, no way. And then I checked it. When Shea Gilders Alexander played this year for Oklahoma City, they were 16 and 19. Yeah, not bad. When he has not played, they are five and twenty-eight. <laughs> Sixteen and nineteen. They're three games under five hundred. So no wonder. I mean, he had the foot thing. They're like, yeah, dude, you're not playing anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like you are the antithesis of what we needed to get done this year. <laughs> he was, and I think, you know, look, we spent what three months going, how are they good? Like they were you know, hovering around 500 for so long. And honestly, they were about a 500 team in the games that he played this year. He was only three games under 500, which, you know, who knows? You you suspect he's going to play the whole season next year. And if they're able to flip some of those first-round picks, I I think Oklahoma City could get good fast with their assets. Yeah. You know what I mean? They could like for sure. And with SGA, I had him as an all-star reserve. Mm. He's he's not a, a most improved contender because he just hasn't played enough games. Right. Um, but had he should be an MVP contender with those <laughs> 16 and 19 when he plays. I don't know. I honestly don't know how many players you could put on that team and they'd be 16 and 19. If you but just yeah, took I, him I, out it, and you said, all right, put this guy on that team. But I was going to say after, after losing Chris Paul, you know, the, yeah. the hope was that he would take a leap as a ball handler, as a playmaker. He's done exactly that. He's been so no good. Question. And I, I miss watching him play too. Like he's so fun to watch. Well, I saw the cousin in, uh, in person last night. Um, Alexander Walker. Oh, oh yeah, that's the cousins, right? I, jeez, yeah. you know I loved him coming out of the draft. He's, He's going to be a talent. player, and I do wonder. I thought as I was watching that game, if that makes a Alonzo decision different, because I do think that you can you can let that kid play, and he's going to end up being really good in this league, and and so maybe you don't, you know, pony up all the money it's going to take to keep Alonzo because you've got that kid in the fold, and he's going to be able to he's going to be able to handle the ball too. Yeah, I like him, man. Yeah, he can I handle. He's got talent. Uh, both of them. 
Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Uh, all right, we are going to cover some of this awards column today. We're going to cover some of it on Friday because you've got a week. You don't have yeah. to turn this in. What's nope. the deadline on this? So the deadline is, I think, 11.59 p.m. Eastern on Monday, May 17th. So next Monday. Okay. So I have this, and I've got Friday to do any convincing that I'm going to do. Sure. Yeah. For John Morant for MVP. No. I will say this. Uh, I was, because of the dastardly Nick Wright, who is an absolute (laughs) scumbag, um, (laughs) which... I can say that now. He deleted our podcast off his thing anyway. He's not going to hear it. Who cares? Um, he's not going to hear this. But no, Nick Wright tagged me yeah. in a tweet to you being mad about Chris Paul not being in the top five of your MVP voting yep. um, when he has been on Fox Sports uh, promoting him as the winner mm. of the MVP. Uh, and so uh, because he did that, I, I ended up seeing all these responses. I end up getting tagged at all this stuff. And I didn't even do anything. Um, and these arguments that people have, and then people calling you all manner of names and whatever else. And I, and I told you before we started this, I am continually perplexed at how, how people act, how rude people can be. And the fact that uh, it could, you know, I said this when I was talking about the refs a couple of weeks ago, whether it was Luca or Zion or Morant, a lot of the young stars that seem to be uh, eternally perturbed at the officials. And I said, you know, going about it the way, being so demonstrative towards them and whatever else, you're not going to get the desired result. If you're constantly like F you or you don't, you're not good at your job or whatever, th- what do you think's going to happen? Do you think they're all of a sudden going to be like, oh, you know what? I am going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt now. No, because they're humans, they're going to be like, screw this guy. And I would say the same thing is true when coming at Kevin uh, regarding these awards. I think that if you kill Kevin with kindness, you have the opportunity to have open ears and a desired result. Like, but nobody says like, Hey Kev, have you thought about this? <laughs> or I wish you'd have so-and-so because I actually think that you could be persuaded like that. And so I'm careful in the way I go about it because otherwise human nature is if somebody's like, you idiot, you're so stupid, whatever, then anybody is going to be like, F that and stick their flag in the ground and be like, you know what? Screw you. (laughs) Now I'm really going to do it. Right. I didn't even care as much before, but now there's no way I'm putting Chris Paul in my top five. No, no. I mean, (laughs) I I, I, I think, I think when it comes to award voting, we, we wanted to publish early because of the timing with the play in tournament and all that. So we did it this Monday instead of next Monday. Um, but ultimately, like it's not even about like having three or four games left to watch and that changes things. It's really about the days of research mm. and being able to dive in deep, you know, talk with some people I trust around the league about like, well, what do you think about this? Like, what are your thoughts on that? You know, when making these decisions. So, you know, the fan reaction, it's like I said in the column, in the intro, I said that I'm frustrated yep. with this ballot because there's so many great players missing out on the this honor on these accolades i'm frustrated by that fans understandably are going to be heated but the the way i look at it is this chris the reason why 
fans have a player to be pissed about not being on a ballot is because there's a player that gives you joy, Mm. a player to root for, a player that gives you hope. There are so many great players in the league now that finding 15 spots for for them is difficult. Putting three, you know, a top three or top five for rookie of the year or MVP or first team all rookie, whatever it is, is very difficult because there's a lot of talent. So it's uh, to me, it's understandable why fans are heated. If um, people want to think more strategically and be persuasive. I mean, there's not a lot of that on Twitter with any subject at yeah. all, Chris. So yeah. I don't expect it on Twitter. And I'll tell you what, I'll be honest with you. I read most of my mentions, uh-huh. almost all of them, but I mute, I mute my tweets when I send out award ballots. Cause I just don't want to see it. It's just, it's just too toxic. And some of the stuff I saw yesterday was funny to me because it's like, I had Joe Ingles as <laughs> sixth man of the year, yeah. Rudy Gobert as defensive player of the year. And jazz fans are like, you don't have Quinn Snyder as, oh as my coach God. of the year. You're an idiot. It's like, come on. No, <laughs> Give me a jazz break. Fan, jazz fans are tough. <laughs> jazz fans are tough. Yeah. Every time I say really anything tough. about Rudy Gobert, they are on my ass. Um, yeah. They care so deeply about their guys and their and their awards. Um, but I'll say this. You say it doesn't matter the last four games, but we all – Again, human nature is to be prisoner no, of the moment. It, 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 it will matter. It, let me just say, it doesn't. It's not. It does matter. It's just not necessarily. Would it the change greatest, your the, ballot? The greatest. Well, it's not the greatest benefit of the last week. It's like it's the time to research that matters more to me, and just get everything solid more so oh, than right. the results in the games. But, but like, guys, make these pushes. I mean, look. If you watch last night, Jordan Clarkson had 40, 40 yeah. last night, and if you're watching it, you're like, you know what? He probably is six man of the year. And if Steph went to Phoenix and dropped 70 tonight, it is YouTube. There's just no way we're not going to view things differently regarding his season and what he's done and, and, and leading the league in scoring and everything else because he would overtake Beal for sure. And then same thing goes. I actually had that feeling on Sunday when I was watching the Knicks. And I thought this is going to be criminal if this guy doesn't win coach of the year. And, and by the way, it, like with Steph, it's not that he would win it over Jokic. It would be the placement on the ballot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, Like he might be second or third instead of fourth or fifth on some people's ballots. Um, and, th- and that's where like the shuffling. I got to be honest with you. I, I, I did not have a big problem with your MVP. Yeah, I, I'm ballot. curious. I, I, what what, what said, was your biggest issue with it? I'm, I am very curious. About no, your that. MVP was ballot? one thing, you know, maybe not MVP, but anything on the ballot. Like what was your biggest issue on the ballot? Even the if it was like the thing. third guy. The Thibodeau thing. Really? Because I think, yeah, because over, I So like, think, you feel that strongly over Monty Williams? Monty yes, had a great year coaching the Suns, man. I understand. But I think that you, to me, when you don't have Paul in the top five, which I do think there's an argument, Paul should be in the top five, especially if they end oh, up yeah. with the record that they're going to end up with. He should be there over uh, at, the, at least on the ballot. I'm saying at the Chris, bottom. If Chris, you want to replace, he, he, he Steph, might end up fifth on right. my ballot instead of Luka. Yes. He might end up fifth. Yeah, he's so, on the but, bubble for me. But I don't have a big problem with that. I just feel like when you get when you don't have him as a top five on your MVP ballot, and then you have Monty Williams being coach of the year. To me, that gives the credit to Monty for what happened with that team this year, hmm. and that's just not so. I don't know. To Chris me, Paul's that's, that's second, ridiculous. second team all second team all NBA in a league where there's like 30 guys for 15 spots. Chris Paul. Oh, no, no, no. But I'm yeah. saying, I'm saying when he's not on that ballot, but Monty Williams mm. gets it. 
Dude, there is nobody in the world that could have coached the Knicks to this record. Nobody. Nobody. Dead or alive. Tim, it's just the right year with the right guy. And he had the, the sure. he, he turned Randall into an all NBA player. And what's going on with Derrick Rose shooting over 60% from both field and three over this last like month is outrageous. Outrageous. And I don't know how many games he logged at six man, but I thought uh, that was one of them. I'm like, where's Rose? Oh, on he the was six on the bubble. Thing. I have I have him on the in consideration yeah. list. Yeah, but, but I mean, he's he been great. Be, yeah, to, to me, like I I would replace one of the Jazz. I I obviously I have a different opinion on the on the defensive player of the year thing. I know that he'll probably be yeah. unanimous. I just so you prefer Simmons over Gobert? Yes, yes, uh, yeah. yes. I prefer. Ben, I think Ben Simmons should be the defensive player of the year. I mean, I think you saw last night one of the limitations of. You know, I mean, Gobert is uh, a guy that stands in front of the basket, right? When he comes out, uh, this is why so many of these players, you know, roll their eyes. I don't know why they roll their eyes about Rudy Gobert, but they constantly take shots at him, you know, getting defensive player of the year. And that they played him. Durant made that comment about how there's defensive players of the years that somehow get played off the court in playoff games. Uh, figure that out. So I don't understand everything sometimes players do not have the same respect for Rudy Gobert that coaches and media do and really media media love Rudy Gobert the most and Utah fans Utah fans love him the most mm. but media value Rudy Gobert more than players do because when you talk to players about the best defenders he's not he's not thought of in that same way and that matters greatly to me and then like last night you saw you know the, and and nobody can ever tell me that last year there isn't part of you know the Jamal Murray in averaging 75 points a game that isn't because <laughs> you know the guy's standing six feet from the basket all of the time I just think what is asked of somebody like a Simmons is so much greater than what is asked of a Go bear. And I said he should be help defensive player of the year. Um, but defensive player of the year should be Ben Simmons. Um yeah. well, and I well, believe we, that. We, we've argued about this before. I don't want to go through yeah. it all again, but um would you agree at the least that he deserves to be on the all NBA teams? Would you agree there? I'm just trying to figure this out. All NBA for Gobert as one of the three centers. I'm getting and what I'm getting to is the Maury conversation. Yeah, I don't have a problem with him being okay. Uh, I, I, I am aware of his level of importance to that team. Don't get me wrong on this. Sure. I'm just talking about the way I value in a defender um, and what is asked of a defender, especially with kind of the way the game is played now. And also, I don't think defensive players of the year should be able to be played off of their court for their defense. Well, last if day, they that, get played that, off that of happened, their offense, that happened quite a while ago. So, like Dybul doesn't play because of. Well, I mean, Kevin, last year in the playoffs, Jamal Murray averaged seventy-five yeah. points a game playing pick and rolls with Jokic. I mean, because the guy doesn't go. I mean, he doesn't leave the paint. So you saw last night. Uh, uh, go watch the replay of that Steph three that they the dagger he hit last night against them. Chris, I mean, there, there's like you're you're. 
Sometimes there's no defense. There's well, look, sometimes, uh, a year ago, you guys so, tried to well, convince well, me that Chris, Brooke Lopez let me, let me respond, had turned Chris. into Bill let Russell. Let me respond. Let me he respond. stands in front of the basket. You, you can talk about switching screens as if like this is some anecdote to stop Stephen Curry and Jamal Murray. Like Devin Booker hit a three pointer in, in Ben Simmons' face earlier this season too after a switch. Like it happens. Like great players make great shots, and with Rudy Gobert playing the style that he does on defense, there's pros and cons to that. There's pros and cons to switching. There's pros and cons to blitzing. There's pros and cons to dropping. Like every type of pick and roll defense, there's a good part of it and a bad and a bad side of it. And with the Jazz, the great side of it, and this is why Gobert, you know, he he defines what the Jazz can do because he can defend the two at once. You're able to keep your guys at home. You know, your your help defenders off the ball don't need to necessarily come all the way into the paint because of him. He stops guys from getting to the basket, which prevents kickouts for open three pointers. So yes. Sometimes you're going to have guys hit pull up three pointers over him because he drops into the paint because he's not switching because he's not blitzing as often. But that's that's just like the nature of the game. Like that's what happens no matter what you do. The offense always has the. We advantage. don't have to argue about this that much. But other centers yeah. cook his ass, so he doesn't like if there's a one on one matchup. Yeah, it's I, not I, like I, he. I, I I just fundamentally disagree. Like, I, like think, I, I think them. I think th- I think there are some highlights that people see, and for whatever reason, no. What, pe- what are you talking pe- about? Like, but like great, like pe- great defenders get cooked all the time by great scorers on the perimeter. Go and look, inside. No, hold it on now. The time. Offense has the advantage. Period. Look, of course they do, but. Go look at Embiid's numbers against him. Go look at Jokic's numbers against him. Go look at guys' numbers against him in these games. You don't well, think you should be held below your averages? Forget below your averages. They they roasted his ass. I would love to pull him up right now, but I also don't want to pause for five minutes in the middle of the podcast. Well, here, I, I already have looked them up. They killed him. Okay, well, and, those, aren't, those aren't numbers, Chris. You said what, look up the numbers. Huh? I mean, those, aren't num- be- those aren't numbers. It's like, yes, Joel Embiid cooks. Everybody, Nikola Jokic cooks everybody. It, it happens. Like that's all. That's all I'm saying. Stephen Curry. It doesn't matter if you have Bruce Bowen defending him. It doesn't matter if you bring up Ron Artest in his prime. Like Ron Artest is gonna get cooked. Rudy Gobert is gonna get cooked sometimes because that's what great scorers do. They cook you. They roast you. They destroy you because that's what happens. So like I just defensive don't understand. players of the year. I've watched this. I've I've, I've right. watched two of them. I've watched two. Defensive player of the year caliber players in Marcus All and Tony Allen. And routinely, they hold the opposing star that they are to guard under their averages. Their field goal percentage is lower. They make them more inefficient. And sometimes they just shut yes. them down completely. And, and, and so does Gobert, Gobert on, at one of the highest levels in the entire league. He's a bully. He just swats little guys. Okay. Yeah. The big guys that put him in All the right. third row. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't, I mean, so if you want to put him on the third team, I don't have a problem with that, but I, I did see Daryl be upset about Embiid not being yeah. on the first team. And now yeah. all these Utah, like, look, trust me, I am going to mute all of you Utah people. Yeah, I don't give they, a damn. I mean, what after you think what about, you just said, yeah, yeah, after and, what you know what? Said, they, send me they your address. Should, I'll, I'll send you a, come after you, Chris. I'll send you a help defensive player of the year. Oh, um, or maybe, or maybe I'll send you a NB box score, or maybe Chris. even a Ben Simmons <laughs> oh, box score. Ben Simmons guarded him and dropped forty on his friggin' head in a game without NB <laughs> in Utah. Watch the tape. Now he was mad. Daryl Morey was mad because NB wasn't on your first team All NBA. 
This is a weird year where they're making guys that never have played forward in their life eligible at forward. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It so is like, weird. A, a couple years ago, when I, I think my first year voting, I, I put in the column, it doesn't make any sense. This is 2017, I think. LeBron was listed as just a forward. Ben Simmons was listed only as a guard. It made zero sense. So the NBA has done a way better job at putting a lot of guys at forward and guard or center and forward. But with Embiid, it's odd because he's played like 99.9% but of his minutes as the lone you big on the floor. Are, you are always in favor of no positions on the ballot. No positions. The, and no conferences, no everything yes. should just be so, well, on the table, right? And that and that's why So then they made it on the table and you no, didn't, they didn't put him No, they didn't. No, they didn't, Chris, because that's what I'm getting at. They didn't do that because you still have three center slots. And so here's the issue for me with my ballot, and we'll see if this changes, but the problem is, is like Embiid should be on the first team. Okay? Should be. But if you place him as a forward, that means Gobert slides up to second team center, which is fine with me. But then that third team center spot, Bam Adebayo or Clint Capella, maybe there's a strong argument to put them on the team. I heavily consider them. I'm still considering them. But as of now, I wouldn't put them over the, on the team instead of, you know, some of the forward or guard eligible players. Clint so, Capella, all NBA. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but that's <laughs> what? what might happen. Like, yeah. there's a there's a scenario, Chris. The NBA has done a good job about having the voters have the ability to put guys at different positions. That is helpful. But when you still have that third team center slot, if Embiid, by virtue of the point system, is named to first team, that would mean Gobert goes to the second team for the second center slot. And then the, the center with the third most votes, even if they have less than the forward or guard, then, you know, let's just say Clint Capella makes third team. It's possible like Donovan Mitchell could have had more points, but Mitchell might not get it because he can't go into that third team center slot. So they've removed, you know, uh, they've added multiple positions for voters, but they still go into the traditional positional slots, which creates issues, in my opinion where a guy who might not be deserving makes a team or you're forced to put a guy who isn't as deserving as someone else because you're putting Embiid on the first team. Very okay. confusing. I hope listeners understand yeah, what I'm saying. The, it's easier it, to read than, I, than in listen In the to, absence I of, I mean, I don't have the list, so I don't know who's eligible where. Once you get past, uh, Jokic has a center uh, eligibility next to his name. Embiid has a center eligibility. Gobert has a center eligibility. Who is... Who else? Who is the best player that has center eligibility that's not one of those you, three? I just told you. It's Capella or Adebayo. That's it. That's it. Nah. Those are the only – I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, but I have him no, but third Bam behind would be those the other one. ones. I, I, I would, Bam yeah. would be the one yeah. to me. And, and and you know what? Maybe that's maybe that's what some people would want to vote for mm -hmm. over, you know, a Donovan Mitchell or over a Jimmy Butler or over a Jason Tatum or over, you know, a, a Trey Young, Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, or James Harden. Maybe you do want to vote for Bam over those guys. I'm not so sure that I do. So, you know, that that's the challenge in this year's ballot. Um, Where's Westbrook? He's not on there. I don't have him on there right now. Mm. And I doubt I will. And it's interesting. <laughs> no chance you will. Um, but but like that's the thing though, Chris. Like there might be voters who want to put Westbrook on the ballot, 
but can't if they put Embiid first team. And by the way, Embiid, if we're talking positions, he shouldn't have the forward designation. Yep. I agree. They, 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 it's their fault for doing that. It yeah. really is. It's, it's kind of unusual. I'm a little surprised that they did that, to be honest with you. It's like Jokic has played minutes at both. You know, he's played with other bigs, but to Embiid me, really has if him. you, I, 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 this is where we, you, you didn't, they should have gone the full measure because they complicated this, but didn't make it so. Because if you just want to make all NBA the five best players in the league, otherwise respect the position. That's my opinion. Either undo it and everybody can be eligible for everything. Okay. Or keep it position wise, you know, and guys that if you want to make wings eligible at both, whatever, but you can't make it so that a guy is eligible at a position that he doesn't play. That's wrong to me. You know what I'm saying? It, it's no more It's no more reasonable than making Chris Paul eligible at center. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know what? He's never played center in his life, but what does it matter? And that that's why, like, Daryl and I, I felt like in our back and forth exchange on Twitter, there was, like, it ended with, like, a level of agree- agreement. Yeah. You know, because the reason why this matters is because, unfortunately, the financial implications for players with bonuses. Like, I, I hate the fact that voting for all-star and all-NBA can impact a potential earnings and what a franchise can offer. Yeah, I read yesterday, and it wasn't like, it wasn't chicken change. It was like, for Tatum and for Donovan Mitchell, I mean, it's like 32 million. Tens of millions of dollars, yeah. And and it's, I don't know, I just, I think the process is too... I thought I read the Tatum one was like 60 or something crazy. The the process is too flawed considering the implications that it has. Yes. That's that's my only like issue. I think you can still keep media voters. A pool of 100 typically gets good results, but like the process itself with the positions and all that is just too flawed and... Like I said, I, I I take some serious issues with all NBA, and I've aired this out for years, and I think it's gotten better. Yeah, having guys listed at multiple positions helps. This is just a very funky year um, My, with that third yeah, center spot. So regarding, and we'll get to more of it on Friday because it'll be our last chance to do any convincing of you before you turn in your ballot. Um, the the, uh, the Tibbs one, it's, it was the major one for me that I feel strongly about. Uh, Six man of the year, I do think Derrick Rose uh, should be on that ballot. Uh, for sure. Uh, I know that, you know, the, the names you got, like, I haven't heard of Christian Wood's name in six months. So for most and, improved. Yeah. For most yeah. improved. So, I mean, I don't like whatever. I mean, I know his numbers have gone up, but he's on a, he's on a team that, you know, is going to win less than 20 games uh, this season. Somebody's got to put up numbers. I know he was good at the beginning of the season when we thought that they had a chance to actually be uh, a, a decent team. Uh, this year. Yeah. Ben Simmons and Tibbs. I would, those are the ones that I, that I disagree with. Um, like that. I just think that that's, yeah, that's wrong. But the, the, the rest of the stuff, I mean, look, you're, you're picking nits on a lot of this stuff I and I don't, it's not like you've got somebody, um, in these spots that is wildly undeserving in my estimation and Ben Simmons, I would have Ben Simmons as defensive player of the year, but other than that, no, I mean, I mean, I think you've got, you know, you you start this whole thing out by saying how hard this thing is. I mean, you know, this this year is the toughest one, dude. And and, like, <laughs> and it does become, and and you also, I'm sure you've struggled with this. It becomes arbitrary on what you want to penalize, right? 
So like, yep. you like, am I penalizing missed games? It's because you penalize <laughs> missed tough, games, man. but then you want to give LaMelo rookie of the year over yep. a guy that was more durable. I know it's, it's it, hard. Or, or like Kawhi Leonard right now, you know, having him on first team, all NBA, you have, you know, he's missed games. Do you penalize that over Julius right. Randall? Who's played all but one game. You know, it's LeBron on second team. You could argue maybe he should be third team because of all the missed games. By the way, you could even argue that LeBron shouldn't be on <laughs> NBA if you want to really factor missed games. Like it's I I really I genuinely look forward to seeing what voters do. I look forward to seeing what voters do because this year assessing it, I think this is the toughest year for me as a voter, like four or five years with all NBA that I've ever had. It it is hard Mm. this year to do all NBA. There's so many guys like Trey Young. Did I even mention his name earlier when I was listing off like the guards and forwards that might miss out? And he's the best player on a team that, as of yeah. right now, is playing in the 4-5. He's been awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. He's been awesome. And, like, Jimmy Butler I don't have on there. I have him listed basically as an honorable mention. I didn't even talk about Butler. Butler's been awesome. He's been awesome. And, like, he might miss out. It's just a, it's a tough year, dude. It's a tough year. I mean, year. the only player you have on a but, sorry team is Beal, and he's leading the league in scoring. Yeah, yeah, and he's still, in, <laughs> still, and they've been really good lately. And yeah, uh, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, you I, might, I look, you might, you might have to kick Harden off there. And put I in might kick Harden, Trey Young. I might kick Harden off. I really might, and and that's a weird thing to say considering then the Nets have nobody on the team. But that's just the way this year's been for them with so many guys in and out. Oh yeah, no I, Kyrie either, right? Yeah, no Kyrie in there either. But Kyrie, Kyrie also. <laughs> Why don't you just Should make him? Your, be in hey, there. just make him your third team center. <laughs> i mean it's about how goofy it, this it, thing it, is it'd be, it'd be a lot easier if uh if i could do that yeah no, i'll tell you this these last like this last like four or five games it's going to determine all these seedings because we talked about it at the beginning of the show how much the seedings are going to matter are going to be super interesting. And one last thing before we get out of here I today say one, one other quick thing yeah. before we get to that last thing all nba i would say the only locks on my third team right now, what I published yesterday was Gobert, George, Tatum, Harden, Beal for third team. I'd say the only locks are Gobert and George. Tatum, Harden, Beal. Um, Beal close to a lock. Uh, but those guys, not 100%. Not 100%. This, this, is, a, this is still in flux. There's, like you said, it's picking nits, splitting hairs with, with these guys. It's tough. Okay, the one thing that I wanted to mention to you before we get out of here, because I know you're still working on a bunch of draft stock. The the lottery is going to be right around the corner, which is a massive lottery. But I saw uh, Jalen Green, who was the first test case in the going to the G League instead of college. Now, evidently, he tweeted it out uh, a long time ago, but I just saw it. The uh, the quote that was going around, I know for a fact if I would have went to college, it would have been a different talk about who's going number one. Um, of course, in reference to Kate Cunningham, who virtually everybody in the free world has going number one in this upcoming draft. Um, interested to hear what you think about this, just as someone who analyzes the draft. And when you talk to people, do you think going and playing in the G league enhanced Jalen Green's draft stock hurt Jalen Green's draft stock or did nothing either way? Not a. Nothing. Nothing. No. 
No you think difference. where he went is where he was going to yeah. go? Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you want to, if I have to pick help or hurt, it would be lean towards help because you saw him perform at a, at a good level and you saw him get better over the course of the G League season against a lot of grown men. Mm. So I'd say I'd lean towards help <laughs> in that sense. But ultimately, in terms of draft stock, he was a top five guy before the season. He's a top five guy now. Yeah, I wonder what the NBA. I, I'll have to talk to some more people in the NBA to see what they see. See what I can gather on that because I find it interesting. You know, he said he loved the G League, and he's glad he did it. Yeah. And he look, I'm sure he loves the half million dollars that he got uh, for playing in it. Um, but does it have an effect either way? And it'll be fascinating to see if he's. It's possible he's right possible you know what i mean possible mm -hmm. that if he would have gone to college he puts up crazy numbers and dominates wherever he would have played and then he's the guy that's going number one or or we're at least having an argument that we're not having right now is that fair yeah right because yeah. yeah, there's really not an argument people aren't sitting around going jalen green or kate cunningham you know we just kind of accept it, it. it it's great he has that self-confidence you yeah. know um, but who knows? Didn't happen. Who knows? All right. Uh, it's going to be a fun rest of the week for sure. Uh, we will reconvene on Friday for another edition of the mismatch. Uh, thanks to Isaiah filling in for producer Sasha this week and putting the whole show together. And we will talk to you on Friday. Have a good week, everybody.